Welcome to a couple of Rad Techs podcasts where we bring you an inside look at the world of radiology from the unique perspective of a married couple of radiologic technologists. Together, we have years of experience, exactly 30 years in the field, and we are here to demystify the science of medical imaging. Radiology is the unsung hero of the medical field, providing doctors with crucial images and information that help diagnose and treat illnesses. Join us as we explore the latest techniques, technologies, and innovations in radiology and discover the vital role we play in the healthcare industry. So come along for the ride as we share our passion for radiology as a married couple. Welcome everyone to our amazing program, Let's Chit Chat Wellness and Travel. We have an awesome guest today, as always. I want to welcome Amy Hartle. She is the owner of As We Are Now LLC. She is an alternative and holistic health uh, service. She offers that to online breast cancer recovery education program. So let me just tell you a little bit about Amy and As We Are, then we're as we are now, we're gonna ask Amy to please elaborate and let our audience know more about this amazing program and what she does. So this is Amy Hartle, founder and creator of As We Are Now, Oncology, Massage, and Lymphatic Drain Therapy. Uh, She helps women who are impacted by breast cancer. This is something near and dear to my heart. I have had two uh, breast follow-ups, one that was removed, a lump that was removed, and several members of my family have, unfortunately, you know, succumbed to breast cancer or the trauma afterwards that your body goes through. It is something that runs, wreaks havoc in my family. So I want to welcome you, Amy, to the program. And what do you do? Please tell the audience. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for having me here. Um, So like you, I have a family history of breast cancer as well. Uh, We actually in my family have what's called the BRCA1 gene or BRCA1. Um, It's a genetic mutation. Everybody actually has this gene, but not everybody has a mutated gene. And so in, in my family, we have this mutation and that puts us at high risk of developing breast and ovarian cancers. And because of that, um, I watched my grandmother go through it. I watched my mom go through it. I grew up high risk. You know, it's one of the reasons I call myself a woman impacted by breast cancer because I had breast cancer in my life, my entire life, and ultimately did go through my own diagnosis and treatment in 2017. Uh, But because of growing up with this family risk, I ended up discovering when I went to massage therapy school, I discovered that there was this whole beautiful world of oncology massage and lymphatic drainage. And basically what that means is that I'm a licensed massage therapist and I I work with all kinds of people and what people think of as traditional massage therapy, but I also have additional training and experience to support people going through a cancer experience and not only during treatment, but also for life beyond. Because as you know, you know, when you mentioned what family members had gone through and, and the kind of the after effects, cancer treatment often has lifelong after effects. And so oncology massage and lymphatic drainage are therapies that can help, you know, help someone live their best life and feel good in their bodies again. And whether that's related to cancer or just the kind of average, you know, the, the, the normal right. things we all deal with is being human. And from all of that, having this this long professional background in this space and then going through my own experience with breast cancer i realized that there were certain gaps in the survivorship experience and you know that time when you're going from active treatment into kind of whatever comes next and that there's a lot of 
uh, confusion and a lot of misinformation around things like lymphedema, which is a secondary condition that is that almost every woman who goes through breast cancer has some level of risk of lymphedema. And so I really wanted to make a bigger impact than I was able to do in my studio, in my hands-on practice, right? That's a local practice, one-on-one at a time. And so I created As We Are Now as a way to reach more women and empower women to get to know their bodies as we are now, you know, get to get to understand ourselves again, find ourselves again in life beyond breast cancer. And when I say beyond breast cancer, I don't just mean people living uh, with, you know, in remission or cancer free, Um, you know, that can include women living at high risk still or women living with metastatic disease. We are still women. And I think sometimes we can start to get lost a little bit behind the perception of what a breast cancer experience is. Um, And so my goal is to help women kind of come back to themselves and do with it what they will, but to really get to know their bodies, to uh, be able to care for their bodies and really take back a lot of self-reliance and feeling of self-control that we lose with a cancer diagnosis. I love that because I'm going to tell you, you know, just growing up, when you talk about, you know, as we are now, you know, I mean, that resonated so loudly with me because when I was 24, I got my first lump. My mother was 24 when she got her first lump. My grandfather's, my mother's father, his five sisters all succumbed early on in my life, probably early, early 80s, I'm going to say. I was really young. And I remember them one by one just passing away. Just, you know, as a kid, you don't really understand that. And then I started having aunts. A cousin was 32. She lived a long time with alternative treatments and other things she she was able to do to prolong her life. But, you know, I saw that and I was like, is that going to be me one day? You know, like the mm-hmm. the fear that I lived with and I still do, you know, it's just something that I don't know. I, when you said as we are now, I was someone different every time I was exposed to that. And then when I had my own personal experience, I'm going to tell you, I, I was not the same person after that. Like my checks, I really did my checks anyway, but because we grew up, my mother always like, you know, drilled into us, do your checks, you know, you know, your body, check yourself, you know, even though we went yearly to our doctors and got checked and they checked and everything, you know, your body. And that's how I found my first lump was my own personal check right after I had gone to the doctor. So maybe it didn't, you know, show up when I went to the doctor, but I found it because I noticed something different. And I'm going to tell you, it changed my outlook. I don't know if I want to say I was paranoid afterwards, but I was a different person, you know, and it really does change you. Absolutely. And I think that one of the things that we, you know, it's easy to struggle with, with anyone going through a cancer diagnosis is that, that idea that, well, everything's changed. And I just want to, you know, people talk about wanting their old lives back or to be the way they were or to, you know, find their new normal, which seems like it's going to be some version of what you were. And I think what we often forget as a, as just as people is that we are ever changing. We are ever evolving. We age. Our bodies are meant to change and evolve. We gain new experiences, good and bad. Our, our personalities, our emotions, like who we are as humans, we are ever changing. And so being able to come into knowing yourself as you are now and, you know, finding that connection and, you know, it doesn't necessarily mean you're madly in love with your body or a a stage of your life, but being able to see yourself and maybe start to, you know, whether it's working towards body neutrality and then self-acceptance and then self-love, but being in that state of 
flow and working towards connection because especially in the breast cancer world, you know, we tend to focus a lot on self breast exams. We're looking for something to be wrong. And I think sometimes if we could flip that script a little bit and stay that connected with our bodies. So that, but focusing on, Hey, what feels right and what is working, it can reduce a lot of the fear we experience. It can help us feel again, you know, like we know ourselves and we're not always having to depend on imaging or doctor's appointments, or we know when things are going well. And then we also do maybe know when things aren't going right, when we need to seek that care. I love that because it's so interesting you say that. And I love what you do for a living because we all think of massages as, oh, you know, that's our pampering day. You know what I mean? We're talking about self-care. And Birthdays, Christmas. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. No, absolutely. People look at it as a luxury. Yes, yeah, a luxury. But I'm going to tell you one thing that I started doing pre-pandemic was getting weekly massages. And it was the one thing that I said I should do for myself. Not that I could that I should do for myself. I started doing like lymphatic massage, uh, you know, like helping. I started doing like a lymphatic tea um, after I, I went to another country and I got exposed to some particular herbal teas that actually help with lymphatic drainage. And I noticed how my body started when you talked about flow, when you were just talking mm-hmm. about just flow, I noticed that my, I could just, I, it's hard to describe, but I just noticed that the flow uh, in me was just, I felt a little free flowing. I felt like everything was moving. You know, I didn't feel as stagnant. My energy was better. And I started to notice, you know, just things started unclogging from from skin. I, I suffer with blackheads. I don't really have pimples, but blackheads, those started unclogging. Like I just started having better drainage, even in my ear. I mean, it's just interesting how the body, when things unplug, <laughs> you know, and we don't think about the lymphatic system and the role that it plays in our health. At least I never did. Could you talk a little bit more about the lymphatic system? Because I feel like it's kind of ignored a lot of times. Feeling like a popsicle in the hospital? Well, ditch the hospital chills. Scrubmates, a base layer designed by a healthcare professional, understands the struggles of staying warm. Keep yourself toasty and your valuables secure with convenient zipper pockets. Support a small female-owned business and try Scrubmates today. You'll get 15% off your order using my code, RADTEXT, at checkout. Thanks, Scrubmates, for bringing us this episode of a couple of RADTEXT podcasts. Now let's get into the episode. Oh my gosh, absolutely. Yes. And so our lymphatic system is an extensive network of vessels and nodes mostly. The spleen is involved as well, but it it works with our cardiovascular system. So it's actually part of our circulatory system. And what it does is when our blood is flowing through our body, extra fluid and and different things that come out of our bloodstream get pushed into what's called the interstitial space. And that means the space between cells. So it's just, it's a lot of like the water and kind of everything else that makes up, you know, makes up our bodies. And it's, it's kind of moving all throughout us all the time. And what happens is the lymphatic system, these little vessels, these little delicate network of vessels will, with one-way valves, they pick up that fluid, that extra, that extra fluid. And when it comes into the vessels, it becomes what we call lymph fluid. And so it's a combination of water and proteins and bacteria and virus and like just the stuff that's floating around in our bodies 
that needs to kind of get processed and moved along. And so our what happens is it moves through the vessels, it goes to our lymph nodes. And most people will think of lymph nodes, you know, sometimes they're called glands, lymph glands. If you've ever had, when you were sick as a kid or had a child who had that swelling along their jawline, along with a sore throat, and they're real tender. So those are lymph nodes. And what happens is when the fluid goes through these lymph nodes, they kind of do this, I always think of them as these little like sucking machines, you know, and they're these little kidney bean shapes. Well, when they encounter something that is maybe a bacteria, a virus, something that might be har- that they consider harmful, um, that's when they will sometimes swell up and, you know, become tender because they're actually working through that process. And when that happens, it's also uh, stimulating white cell production, which is part mm-hmm. of our immune system. So, you know, our immune, our, our lymphatic system is actually always working to help support our body, to keep our body safe. And so picks up the fluid, which moves it along, keeps it from being stagnant, just like you said. It moves it into the processing units, so the lymph nodes. From there, it then takes the good fluid, like the good water and whatever else, it dumps it back into our bloodstream. And then the bad stuff gets moved along for, you know, through into our excretory system. So it's it's really important in keeping us safe. It's a big part of what is fighting off common colds. And, you know, when we talk about our immune system um, and, and our white cells, a lot of that happens within the lymphatic system. But it's a relatively young system when it comes to Western medicine. They right. didn't really even know about it until, you know, I say recently, I think we're talking late 1800s, early 19th century, or, um, late, late 19th century. But um, it's because it's this superficial system for the most part. A lot of it is deep in our abdomen, but it runs throughout our body and um, it doesn't have its own pump like our heart. So right. we actually rely on movement, our bodies, the move, like our exercise, our daily movement is part of what helps create this gentle friction that gets the fluid into the into the vessels and then moves it along. And so it's really important for everybody. And it is it can be beneficial for everybody to have lymphatic drainage therapy. Lymphatic drainage therapy is just a, a very light um, facilitation of the movement of lymphatic fluid. And so some people who, especially for people who experience autoimmune disorders, things like rheumatoid arthritis, fibromyalgia, anything, you know, especially even undiagnosed autoimmune, right? Kind of just know something's off in your body. Um, Lymphatic drainage can be really beneficial. When it comes to cancer, it's really important to be tuned in to your body as you are now, because a lot of cancer treatments uh, can affect the lymphatic system, especially the example breast cancer. Almost every woman who goes through a breast cancer diagnosis has a lymph, a lymphatic node biopsy. And in some cases we have multiple or all of our lymph nodes removed in a particular area, typically the armpit around that breast, uh, on the affected side. And if you think of the lymphatic system as a machine, a giant machine throughout our bodies, when you take away part of that machine, or you end up with radiation treatment that can potentially damage part of that machine, it doesn't mean that the machine is totally broken, but it means in that area, it may not be functioning as well right. as it's meant to. And so lymphatic drainage is extremely helpful in preventing a backup of that lymphatic fluid, which becomes a swelling. And it's, that's when we have what we call lymphedema. And that's a really uncomfortable thing to live with. And it can even become debilitating. Yeah, I mean, you think of a backed up pipe, you yep. know, a backed up. Exactly. Pipe. Yeah, I mean, we can all visualize that. And 
I love, love, love how your analogies, you know, really help us to understand. It doesn't have a pump and simple things people can do. You know, of course, massage is one. If, if you haven't had, I know some people say, well, I don't like the deep tissue. I don't like people. I love how you say it's just very gentle. It is. It's super lymphatic drainage technically isn't even massage. You'll sometimes see it called lymphatic massage, but lymphatic drainage therapy, as it's taught within the realm of certified manual lymphatic drainage therapists or certified lymphatic therapists, um, it's a very, very light, gentle technique. Uh, Most people will completely bliss out or even fall asleep during it. And that's kind of the case with oncology massage too. You know, oncology massage is meant to be supportive of the body, not to be taxing on the body. So we work with a, a different pressure scales and, you know, it depends on the part of the body too, what you're, you know, whether you're in active treatment, whether you're many years out from treatment, if we're working with a part of your body that may not be compromised, or if we're working with a part of your body that experienced heavier treatment. So those are all the things we take into consideration. And Regardless of any of that, I believe, and I came through a school where I was taught that it does not hurt to, it does not have to hurt to be effective. So with any kind of massage, no matter what your personal health history is, yes, there are definitely times that there's that, you know, especially if you have a crick in your neck or low back or, you know, tension headaches, there can be that, that feeling of, oh, it kind of hurts so good, you know, but but there's a big difference between that and, oh my God, I hope this person is done in right. a minute. And it never, you know, it never has to hurt to be effective. In fact, if it's hurting a lot, it may be doing more damage than it's doing good because you're actually causing the body to tense up and cause micro trauma instead of allowing the body to let relax. the therapist in and relax and engage our parasympathetic nervous system, which is when we come out of that fight or flight state that we actually live in most of the time these days, go into our rest and digest state. And that's when our body does its best healing and our natural cellular turnover and processing. So there's a lot of benefits to any kind of therapy that brings you into a relaxation state. I think I've only had one massage in my life that hurt and I stopped it. I was like, good for you. It's like, yeah, this is not supposed to hurt. Um, And I, I just, I'm, I'm big on speaking up you know, for my health, I am definitely more of a partner in my health than a patient. I go in, I have my doctor laughs because I'll go and I say, I think I, I need this um, exam. And he's like, I'm the doctor. I'm like, I know, but I'm, it's my body, you know? <laughs> so I, I, and I have good doctors. We have conversations, you know, I, I have conversations with my doctors. We talk about my treatment or anything, you know, and I just, I refuse to have any kind of practitioner. I, I encourage my listeners. I encourage my family, my friends, always go in with the the notion that you are still in control. You know, you're going into the practitioner for their expertise, of course. You don't know what they know, but you do know your body. And you should always listen to your body. And I love how you said it doesn't have to hurt to be effective. Oh my goodness, that was amazing. And and I want to talk about, you know, I think it's lymphedema. When I did MRIs, CAT scan, I do those for the last almost 20 years. And I've always worked in cancer centers, majority of my time. I started out in a cancer center, did that for years, and it really opened my eyes to lymphedema. And I just never really saw a lot of women. And I started to see more and more women. And what alarmed me was people would come in after having the lymph nodes removed, and I would have to put an IV in. Mm -hmm. I have to make sure I say 20 times, you know, have you had any mastectomy, lymph nodes removed, anything? And they're like, I'm not sure. 
I don't know. And I'm like, how are you not sure? Like it alarmed me how many people were just not sure. I don't know. Yeah, you could go ahead and stick me. That's what my best veins. And I'm like, let me go look in their records. Sure enough, I was not supposed to stick that arm. And I, I never did, thank goodness, because I just always check. I don't even go by what people tell me. I check and I ask. But it always alarmed and I would have to talk to people and let them know. This is what can happen to you if you let someone do a blood pressure cuff, if you let someone put an IV in. You know, how do you help women, especially, you know, when it comes to those that have, you know, had the unfortunate instance of that happening, but those who are, you know, possibly could in the future have that happen. Yes. Yeah. So that is really one of the main reasons I created the body empowerment program with As We Are Now was because there is such a lack of education and information provided to women going, and, and this is true across the board with people, but, but my focus right now tends to be, you know, women impacted by breast cancer. Um, and it's just, to me, unfortunately, I would say it's criminal that any woman should ever end up with lymphedema, not even knowing that it could happen to her. You know, there, because lymphatic, the lymphatic system is a relatively young field of study. And because it is not an area that, you know, even oncologists get trained in extensively, there's not a lot of great studies on it, you know? So what happens is it becomes this, it's either, well, you know, you're really at low, low risk because all you had was a sentinel node biopsy or yeah, you don't really have to worry about that because you didn't have all of your lymph nodes out or you didn't right. have radiation. or it's a all or nothing. You know, I, I've had women who said to me, well, my doctor told me I'll either get it or I won't. And that's it. And I so disagree with that mainly because we know that, you know, we can't really count on statistics because anecdotally, we know that lymphedema doesn't play by the rules. Right. You know, I know women. So, so theoretically, the less invasive, you know, the less lymph nodes you have removed, if you don't have radiation, theoretically, that would put you at the lowest risk, right? You've had the right. least amount of compromise to that part of the machine, have all of your lymph nodes out and add radiation. Theoretically, you're at the highest risk because you've had more potential damage to the machine. But I can tell you that throughout my life and career, I, and, and I think this is true of almost any person who works in this field, I have seen women who had, you know, all of their lymph nodes out and radiation and have gone 30 plus years with no issues with lymphedema and not, you know, without taking like extensive precautions, just right. didn't know about it, went on their merry way and everything was fine. And I've seen women who had two lymph nodes out, no radiation, were fine for three years, did some, you know, kind of extensive activity, overused their arm and ended up with it. Yeah. And so, you know, that is why it's critical to educate people about their risk and then take that one step further, understand you have a risk. Now, what can you do about that risk? You know, there, there are no, there's no 100% guarantee for prevention, right. like with breast cancer, right. but we know that there are things that we can do that maybe help us make informed decisions. And that is, that's how I look at a lot of things in, in life, right? What, what information do we have that help us make the choices that are right for us? Yeah. And when it comes to lymphedema, the problem with it is it's a, it's a chronic incurable condition. Right. Once lymphedema develops, once that swelling occurs, um, and, and it, sometimes we think of it being, you know, this great big swollen arm, it's not always that way. It can actually be, it might not even be that there's visible swelling, but it can be an aching, a heaviness, a tenderness that the person feels and lives with. And, you know, then it, once that kind of develops, it really becomes about management. Mm -hmm. And it's very rare that you get a full reversal of 
the condition. And so, you know, what can we do about that from the start? You know, if we're, if we're working with someone, if I'm working with someone who has lymphedema symptoms already, like they've been, they've received a diagnosis, then it becomes about management. It becomes about educating and informing, you know, what can you do to not only care for this, um, to make it the most comfortable as possible and to also reduce risk of flare ups or, you know, exacerbation. Um, but if I'm working with someone who's at risk, then it really becomes, what can we do to help you reduce that risk? So here is how your lymphatic system works. Here is, um, you know, here are many of the common triggers and why not just, not just, well, don't do this, but here is the function. You know, we, uh, one thing that comes up a lot that people don't, aren't aware of is hot tubs. Um, so hot tubs are a potential trigger for something like lymphedema. I don't tell people never go in a hot tub, but I want them to understand why. So it's because it creates an effect called vasodilation, which is the heat opens up the vessels in our body, which causes fluid to rush in. It's like when you take a hot shower or if you're in a hot tub and you get out and your skin might be pink or it might be darker, it might have a red tinge, like whatever, you know, whatever you can see that that change in your skin tone, um, that's because the blood and the fluid is rushing to it. A lot of times it's plumper, right? Like you, it, it, it looks fresh and hydrated and plump. That's because fluid is rushing to it. Well, what happens if your body then can't move the fluid back out like it was like it is meant to go. So things like that. So understanding that, because now if you can understand the concept of, okay, heat is something that causes vasodilation, or like you were saying about blood pressure, constriction, that squeezing, um, it causes uh, what we call an ischemic situation where it's, it, it lessens the flow. Well, then the body's response when you take the cuff off, the blood pressure cuff off is to flood that area with blood and fluid again to, you know, almost like heal it. And again, now what happens if the body can't move it out? So when you can understand the concepts, now you can start to go through your day and go, well, I need to think about this before I do it. You know, maybe I'm going to go in a hot tub, but I'm not going to submerge up to my neck and I'm not going to stay in here for an hour. You know, maybe I'm going to go in up to my waist and I'm going to stay in for 20 minutes. And then the, fir- the one step further, what I do with my program is I teach women how to do their own lymphatic drainage from a self-care standpoint, because then now you can really decide, am I going to do this? You know, travel. I know wellness and travel is, is kind of the topic of things you like to talk about. Well, getting on a plane that there's a lot of theory about air travel right. triggering lymphedema because of the difference in pressure. People sometimes get edema in their ankles. That can happen with someone who's got a compromised lymphatic system, say with their arm and breast cancer. So, you know, I myself love to travel. I, you know, I'm, I love to travel the world. I was fortunate before the pandemic to get to go to New Zealand for a month. And I admit I was, you know, yeah. I mean, and that's a lot of, that's a lot of planes. I live in Buffalo, New York. So that was, that was a lot of air travel, a lot of long <laughs> flights and multiple flights to get there and then get back. But what was really empowering for me is that I knew how to care for my body before and after that flight. Yes. I wore a sleeve. Yes. I knew how to get up and like move around and do some stretches and exercises during that, during the flights. But I also then when I got to my destination could do some of my own lymphatic drainage to just ensure it was one more step. You know, it's not a guarantee, but it's certainly going to put me in the best position possible to do the things I want to do in life and, you know, feel safe, doing them. And that is what, that is what 
the body empowerment program is all about is putting, you know, putting knowledge, education and skills, like a, building a toolbox of skills to care for your body as you move forward with life beyond breast cancer. Well, I love it. This conversation has been so enlightening. You have so much more to share. So I want to just take it to the next. I see that you love playing the guitar. I have a guitar and acoustic. My husband has a bass, but we're not that good because we don't practice. <laughs> yes, me too. Yeah, but I'm I love there. It. I love it. And when I get on it, I still kind of remember. It's like the piano. I learned the piano when I was a kid, but I only can play one or two songs, you know, but I have my guitar, I'll wipe the dust off and I'll get my pick out and I'll tune it. And I play the one or two songs that I know, you know, or I just strum, you know, <laughs> you can always strum. What, what made you pick up the guitar and try that out? Oh gosh. You know, it's funny. I, I am still in the learning phase for sure. And I'm right there with you. I like, I literally have, I had one, at one point I had one song. I don't even think I could play it anymore, <laughs> but um, I always wanted to learn to play the guitar. I love it. I, I'm a singer. I grew up singing. Oh. And yeah, I, I grew up like basically in elementary school. I started singing in chorus and then I, you know, high school choirs and college and I sang acapella. I was even, I was, fun fact, I was even in a semi-professional acapella group for a little while. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. And so I, you know, for me, the guitar was always really been about just wanting to be able to pick it up and sit down and play and sing for myself. You know, I have no interest in playing for people or going, you know, performing at open mics or anything. I just, it's a beautiful instrument. I feel like there's something just really, I don't know, there's something really soothing about it. And to be able to, you know, give yourself that time when it's just something you do for you. Yeah. We all need more of that in our lives. We all need those little things that really make us feel like, like we're caring for ourselves. And there's a lot of ways to do that. I agree. I totally agree. So tell us at amyhardo.com is where you all can find all her amazing information about as we are now resources, community, everything you need to know. Tell us, do you have any programs or freebies that you would love for the audience to take a look at? I do. I do. So the body right now, the body empowerment program is underway. The doors are closed, but you can sign up for the waiting list. But I actually have a free resource page. So if you go in and sign up with your email, you gain instant access. And I've got some of my own freebies that I offer. One of them is a 35 page guide that I call taking charge of your breast cancer recovery with a lot in within that there's a lot of resources about how to begin to explore ideas, you know, therapies like oncology, massage, lymphatic drainage, resources on where you can find a therapist. I have some podcasts like this. So people who are interested in listening to different stories, uh, different ways that I tell my story and talk about the work I do. And then I have my favorite book list and I even have my top eight recommendations and referrals. So like, these are the, these are the companies that I use that I love and that I tell all my clients about that can be really beneficial for anyone going through a breast cancer experience. We love it. We love what you have shared with us today. And just who you are is amazing. We wish you so much success. And thank you so much, Amy. And you guys check out As We Are Now at amyhardo.com. You see it scrolling at the bottom of the screen. Thank you again, Amy, for joining us. We appreciate you being a part of our podcast. Thank you so much. I This has been a lovely conversation and I so appreciate the opportunity. Oh, thank you so much. And you guys, if you're listening on a podcast or watching us, we thank you very much for taking the time out to enjoy less chit chat, wellness and travel. Until next time.
I hope you enjoyed this podcast today. Thank you so much for listening. This is just one of the many free resources I offer to my clients to dump unhealthy habits and begin living. Be sure to visit my website for more free resources and health coaching. Again, thank you for listening. Be sure to subscribe, leave a review, and share this podcast with others so they can join the Let's Chit Chat podcast. Have a great day, you guys. See you next episode.